Wearing a do-rag in the office. Why not me? If that's something that you're interested in, why can't you? Netflix is about to become the new Disney. All right, I see that we are now live. Welcome everyone to episode 19. Yes, nueve. So welcome everyone to the Risk Reward Show presented by Risk Reward Media. My name is Chris Mercado and I'm joined by Mr. Reward aka Derek. I'll go by I'll go by Reward first now. Yes, and uh, we are also joined by a special guest as we start uh, season 2 where we uh, start introducing guests within our network. Today we have Mr. Omar Peel with us. What's going on, y'all? What's going on? Omar, call me JP, whatever you like, Mr. Cranberry. Mr. <laughs> Cranberry, all right. Sorry. All right, so you got Mr. Risk, Mr. Reward, and Mr. Cranberry? Mr. Cranberry, there you go. go. All right, this sounds good. This sounds good. Uh, so for everyone here, uh, you know the deal. We at the Risk Reward Show, we're here to help you find the upside in your professional, your business, and financial lives. Uh, for, for today's main topic, main topic we're going to revisit uh, sort of this concept of being your authentic self at work uh, through Omar's experiences. Um, and, you know, we'll talk about his work with Creators Asylum as well. And this dynamic between individual individuality versus conformity. Um, so be sure to, uh, as usual, follow, like, comment, and share this episode on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and now Spotify. Uh, like we do every week, we will start with our weekly rewind, and we're going to start with a new shop by Netflix. Mr. Reward, please, please tell us what's going on with Netflix. Netflix is about to become the new Disney. That's exactly what's going to happen. Uh, Netflix has just launched their new merch shop to where now you can purchase, you know, shirts, uh, pants, probably, you know, tea, I mean, like anything. <laughs> But um, I think this is a, a smart move on their end because uh, I feel like everybody has either their own plan for, um, for Netflix or they're using, you know, a family members and or friends. So eventually their, you know, um, subscription level is definitely going to start to kind of um, plateau. So with that, with that being said, they're definitely thinking of other ways that they can make more, you know, cash. And uh, this merch store was, you know, the best thing that, that I've heard so far. So basically, um, what I was I was doing some research earlier, and they have a license a licensing deal with like H and M. So if you were to go go to their store, you would probably see like a Stranger's Things like T shirt and stuff like that. So they are officially stopping that, therefore putting all of their merch on their own store. Um, I think that's you know uh, a good a good move on their end because you know the if you can cut out the um, the middleman, then you're you know just like winning, but. The reason why I say they're going to be the next Disney is because now uh, I'm starting to think of like other ways that they can ha like kind of make people buy like their merch. So let's say, for instance, I I don't know if Amazon does this, but I know I did see some type of smart TV that does this already. So if you're watching a show and um, let's say, for instance, someone's wearing like a um, Transformer shirt and you want that exact shirt, you can pause it and a list would pop up on the side of where you're able to buy whatever is on that screen. So eventually, I think Netflix is going to do something like that. And I'm even thinking that Netflix is going to have their own theme park. Like, who wouldn't want to go on, like, a Stranger Things ride right. or, like, a um, like a Witcher type of, uh, you know, walkthrough or something like that? I think that's dope. Yeah. 
I think that theme park idea would be dope because they, they have a lot of content to work with the mm-hmm. right a lot of originals. So that'd be that'd be dope. Yeah, it's, it sounds like they're doing like uh, Disney in reverse. Uh, yeah, because Disney's now you know recently launched the streaming, but um, you know Netflix at least what we know of Netflix now past the uh, the ma- mailing DVDs, uh, <laughs> they they started the the streaming, so now they're they're going uh, in reverse of what Disney did with the theme parks and uh, perhaps uh, it, this this mer- merchandising angle and I think of Star Wars and how how much money Disney makes. Off of and Marvel off too. Of yeah. So yeah. no, that that's that's I, I didn't even know about it. So that's a good look that you uh, brought that to our attention. Um, another thing that had our attention, especially last night, is the NBA uh, being soft. being called soft <laughs> by some of its own players. So I saw hey, uh, Trey Young, John Morant uh, react on Twitter how the league is soft based on that ejection. Uh, by uh, of the uh, MVP Nikolai uh, Jokic um, last last night. So, what what are your thoughts on the NBA and like being quote soft? You don't take out a star player third quarter on a game on like a what is game four. So it's it, it's either win or go home. Like you have to at least give them like some type of chance uh, throughout the entire game everybody was smacking each other <laughs> everybody everybody was giving tough fouls like whenever you when whenever anybody went to went went to the rim someone was definitely hit so um for joker i don't think he really meant to hit pain the way the way that he did it looked like he slapped he slapped fire out like out of him but um he was literally going after the ball it was he was frustrated because he just didn't get the the foul that he that he that he was supposed to get so um, he just went, you know, for for the ball, and so happily, Payne's nose was like was like was there. In the way, but um, I think uh, the NBA has a problem when it comes to flopping because yes, I mean, he did get hit hard, but for him to act the way he did, like, come on, son. Yeah. So um, hopefully, you know, uh, they look back at this and just know that the refs mm-hmm. literally gave the game to the um sons. I think. Yeah, hey, well, I think I think rightfully so. Um, the league is really focused on player safety and things like that, which is great. But this is still a contact sport, and over the past few years, I'd say it's really gotten away from that. It's it's a contact sport. You're gonna be touching people. Things are gonna happen. Like you said, if you're going for the ball, you can't sit there and go for the ball and make sure that you're not touching anybody in the process on the way up and on the way down. It's basketball, so I, I definitely don't disagree with the players saying that the NBA is getting soft. It is. I think we see it all the time, and the way that. You know, and it kills me when you see someone flop for like five minutes on the floor and then you pop back up and it's all good again. It's like you weren't hurt. Like, you know, let's get the game going. Get, get physical again. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to disagree slightly with Omar here. Um, I actually don't think the NBA is looking out for pl- player safety because if they did, they would have like taken more time to start this current season because so many of the, uh, the players are, are injured. So, uh, and, and they did it to kind of like, get back to a normal schedule, you know, post pandemic as, as quickly as possible. So I don't think the NBA is worried about uh, player safety as Mr. Risk here. I think the NBA is worried about the risk of another malice at the palace. Uh, they don't want a player rushing into the stands, right. And, and causing like a, a, a bigger melee because uh, the NBA took such a hit from that. So I think that's what they're concerned about. Not, not player safety. Yeah. Malice in the palace was a great time in history. 
that was, yeah, a, and, that was a great moment in history. Yeah, and and uh, Derek and I talked about this uh, on another episode. These fans just dehumanizing the players, sure. and I was and I was like, yo, some some of these like good fans need to punch these bad fans in the face sure. uh, when they when they're like throwing popcorn or like trying to spit on players. Um, so yeah, the fans got need to check themselves, uh, as well. And this idea of soft, I'm going to add a, a, a little note on the Joker. So we got to be careful about who we label soft, right. Uh, in terms of players as well. So Joker comes across as like, like fun, uh, and, and like sort of lucky go happy. But, um, there's a story on, on sports illustrated that he did, and he has two older brothers. And they mm-hmm. once uh, tasked him to uh, climb up a tree and the Joker refused. So as punishment, what his brothers did is, well, one brother held his arms down and then the other brother threw knives at him uh, as discipline. So like soft, especially with like some of these foreign players like, that come from like different cultures, like we don't know how they're raised. Like we need to be careful about that label of soft because uh, Jokic uh, may, may come across as like, Nice and cuddly, but uh, apparently he's not. <laughs> there was, there was, and just, just, just to add on quickly, there was a funny meme going around because his brothers are all tatted up and they have shades and stuff like that. So they're saying how like they were in the street, so they just told him to just like play ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're, they're like his protectors. So yeah. Uh, that's yeah, that that that's uh, another point. And speaking of protectors, so the last uh, weekly rewind, so we saw uh, a near tragedy uh, uh, on a soccer pitch. Uh, Christian Erickson. So, you know, since my name is Chris, I support all talented people named Chris uh, mm-hmm. and any derivatives. But uh, Christian Erickson is is a star uh, both for the uh, uh, Denmark national team, but also Inter Milan. And he he had a heart attack on the field and had to do CPR on the spot. And he saw his teammates sort of circle around him to block view. And there's there's a couple of ideas being thrown around uh, around on, on social media. So one like what's the TV broadcasting responsibility? Are they are they supposed to cut away, or is this like part of the coverage that they should you know see what, what's going to transpire? Um, also, the the teams decided to play later, and and apparently, uh, Christian when when he was in the hospital, he he FaceTimed his team and he told his team like go out there, go play, um, and that's what helped them decide. So like, who decides? like who, when they should start. So I was wondering for, for Omar and, and Derek, like what are your thoughts on the pro- broadcasting responsibilities and also like letting the game continue? Yeah, the broadcasting one is a tough one because I think it is still there. They, they, they can still broadcast up to a certain point. I think there's just like, at what point do you find it cut off? So when players get injured, of course, you know, the fans are going to see that. People should be able to see that. That's not a problem. But at the point where they're giving him CPR and there's a lot of, you know, it, it got past a certain point. At that point, they should probably cut away and show something else and, you know, give that type of privacy. But I think it's, it's really a toss-up, as I say, when that fine line is. Um, but that, as for, it's funny you mentioned that because as for the part of them, um, the team's actually playing, my first thought was that they shouldn't have been playing after that. They really should have, you know, paid respect to what happened and took some time. I didn't realize that he called them and told them to go out there. So if that happens, I think, you know, go for it. That's that's not a problem at all. You got you got the word from your teammate. He said, play in my honor. Go play. Let's go. Cool. Yeah. Um, same thing. I, like when, um, what's his name? Sean um, Livingston, when he broke his leg, like when that happened, they went to a break right away. Because yeah. it was like, we can't, we can't um show that. So I think uh, as the, um, 
the broadcasters, they should have definitely went like went like went to a break or something. Because you don't want, you know, everybody to, to um actually see that. And plus, you know, that's like a very um a touchy moment because you, you don't know if that person could make could either die right there or not. But um the fact that he called them and said, you know, like keep on playing, like I feel like did um did um they end up winning winning that game or no? No, they lost by one. Ah, damn. <laughs> one 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 nil. That is not the movie ending that we were looking for. Yeah, <laughs> we'll make a movie about that later on. Now, man. Right. Yeah, but um, I mean, for him, for him to call them and like guys, like the show must, the show must go on. Still, I think that um speaks to his um, you know, his um, you know, um, character in terms of like, yes, you know, this like this has happened, but still, like we have a game to win, but they didn't. So. Cole, no, these are awesome takes, and uh, I'm sure we'll continue on social media uh, with our views on this. Um, and I think this also gave our audience a preview of, of Omar, and, and now we're going to get to uh, kind of like the main segment, and we're going to feature Omar here. Uh, I'm going to have Derek sort of take the lead into like really getting to know Omar and, and all these gems that he's going to share with, with, with all of us. Uh, so Derek, take it away. Here we go. So uh, we go. I'll uh, give some background before we start to ask him questions. <laughs> uh, Omar, me and him go way back since what? Oh, oh, six high school since high school. Yeah. Um, the football team. Uh, he's been, you know, my road dog like ever since uh, through college, through life. Uh, we traveled together um, and we've been in places. We'll, we'll, we'll be traveling soon. <laughs> yep. Um, but I really, I really consider Omar like, uh, like my, um, blood, um, brother, like there's, there's, there's like a good, a good, a good group of us where I can always count on like these, like five people, six people, five. Yeah. No, six people. <laughs> but, um, uh, bef before I kind of, you know, get all, you know, cry and stuff like that. Um, uh, I want Omar to really kind of, uh, <laughs> I um, just really wanted to kind of, you know, bring to bring to bring you on to the show because I really like how you um, not only present, present, present yourself, but the ideas that um, like you have. Uh, I feel like you are a thought, a thought, a thought leader, um, even though you may not think that you are. But um, it's times when, when when like you're talking, I'm like, damn, like Omar spitting gems. <laughs> so um, hopefully with this uh, here, you would be able to kind of really you know, shed on some light on what you've done and how you've handled, uh, you know, being you at work. Um, I feel like you, you will always be you, like no matter where you go, but um, for others, uh, I know being your authentic self is something that is still kind of new to what people are doing because they're not so sure if this is something that they, that, that, that um, they should, that they should be doing. Uh, but hearing your experiences, I think would help a lot. So to get started, um, I wanted to, wanted you to kind of tell the people more about you, about your role and your industry. Yeah, and I appreciate that introduction, man. I was about to shut the tail myself, but uh, <laughs> I was there, man. Um, but yeah, no, nah, so my name's Omar, again. So I actually work in the aerospace engineering industry. So I've been doing engineering since uh, since I graduated back in 2012, 2013, aging myself right now. But, but yeah, I work in aerospace. So we deal with everything that, that goes on, you know, helicopters, airplanes, rockets, uh, spaceships anything that flies, uh, that's what the industry that I serve. Um, so myself, I'm a business manager now over for an aerospace company out here in Long Island, New York. I started off as an engineer doing some of the aftermarket design work and then moved my way over to the business side. And um, obviously, you know, the point of this whole conversation is about 
conformity versus individualism. And that's that's a big thing that comes up a lot, especially when you're when you're in a field where let's say demographically, you're not you're by no means the majority. Um, you're in the deep minority demographically. So you come into the workplace with a lot of differences compared to everyone around you. And the question is, do you conform or do you continue to be your full self? And how does that affect your career? How does that affect your coworkers, your peers, your employers' outlook of you? And do you care? I, I think the, the, the biggest thing is, are you willing to accept the potential setbacks of being yourself um, for the moral, uh, for the positive moral outcome that can come from you? And what, what other positive things can come from a career aspect from not conforming and from being an individual? So that's that's a quick thing about myself, quick introduction. Um, yeah. All right, cool. So let's jump right into it. Why is it important to be your authentic self at work? One of the main things for me is that you don't, let me start by saying this. You, you do want to demonstrate a level of adaptability and being able to assimilate into an environment so that you can adapt, which to some extent means you're not always yourself 100% of the time, but you don't want to fall into a trap of where you're constantly uh, switching back and forth between two different lives. You know, you do want to sort of have your work because you, you spend more time at work than you do. Most people, you spend more time at work than you do in the real world. You can sort of start to lose yourself if you're always trying to be something you're not in the workplace, you know, eight hours a day, five days a week. If you have standard nine to five, you know, um, we're not talking about, you know, uh, the off type of jobs. So it, it is very important to be authentic self, especially when it comes to your career aspirations. If you want to be a leader in your company, people don't look to the person conforming and doing everything that they're told to do as a leader or as like a future leader, or as someone that they want to follow, right? And I mean, the biggest thing for me is that we know change is constant. Things are always gonna change and you don't wanna be left on the tail end of change where you're just waiting for other people to make new ideas and generate new thoughts and guide the company and guide the department in different ways. And you're just constantly following along. So the important, the important thing about, that's, that's about being an individual. The important thing about being your authentic self is a lot of times people forget that you got into this position for a reason. So there are certain aspects of you, especially if you're a minority, that everyone else may have never thought of or other people aren't exposed to. So when you come in as your authentic self, people assume, I think one of the assumptions that, oh, if I'm myself and I'm different from everybody else, you know, they'll never appreciate my opinion or they'll never listen to me or they'll never view me as their equal. Well, maybe you'll provide something that they never thought of before or something, an experience that they've never had. And that can actually help ascend you in a different way that you could have never thought of. So why not try that? Because at the same time, while you may be afraid to be your authentic self and you're trying so hard to conform, to be like everyone else around you, you weren't raised that way. So it's, it's not natural to you to be that way. So that comes off more, I think, than anything else. You coming in your authentic self, that, that's, that's how you naturally are. You're comfortable, you're laid back. That's just you, who you are. When you come in trying to speak a certain way and trying to you know, maneuver the way everyone else is, I think that can come across in genuine also, and that can also work against you in different aspects. But like I said earlier on, it is important, I think, to be to, to have a, a balance of both, not a 50-50 balance. I think you should be more of your authentic self, but you do still need to, you know, uh, obviously you have to put on a certain uh, face and game plan when you get into the get into the work environment, when you're dealing with other people from different cultures and different backgrounds. That's so important. So. Yeah, you definitely got to code switch from time from time to time. Um, and code switching, honestly, could be, annoying and it really takes like a lot of like toll um just like on you but i really do agree um some like something that that um you said that like hit hard was um if you're you know if you're like you know just like uh going just being what is there and like it doesn't come off as if you're like some like like some type of leader 
I think I think that's cool in terms of like being able to kind of produce produce your own thoughts and ideas because you know that group think is what kills a bunch of stuff. So right. being able to be like, hey, like maybe we should be doing this that you know we shouldn't be doing that, or I see that this is coming up, or like this is a trend. So um, I'm happy that uh you know you were able to share that. Um, can, I, can I add something real quick? Mm-hmm. So um, in the previous episode, I made the case that um, code switching is actually uh, or can be powerful and positive in a way where we're actually adding like and showing different facets of ourselves. Would you agree with that, Omar, or disagree? I, I think I, I don't I don't fully disagree with you, but I think there's a fine line between right when, when you walk into an environment and you're fully code switching, you're fully trying to speak like everyone else around you, you're not really showing anything about yourself. Now, it, it does show that you can, um, you know, speak like other people. And I'm using speaking as like the example, but there's other, there's other methods of code switching, right? But when you're, when you're trying to speak like other people, that does show a level of adaptability. But, but at the same time, people need to know who you are genuinely, because it does, like I said, that's not natural. That's not how you naturally speak. So I think people, that's a real example, because I've gone through that. Earlier in my career, I did go into the office, you know, when I was younger and try to, you know, assimilate very quickly and do what everybody else was doing. And it came across very ingenuine and it got pointed out to me. Like, that's obviously not how you speak, right? And it wasn't, there, there was no defense for it. So sure, if you're if you're really good at code switching and you feel like you can do it seamlessly, that's great, but why? What's, what's actually the purpose of it, you know? And, but to your point, I do think there is a time and place for it, but that shouldn't be the norm or like the majority of what you spend your time doing also. Good points. Good points. Cool. Um, so, I mean, uh, how has being Omar Im- like impacted your career? I'd say it, it was a direct line to getting me where I am now as a business manager. Um, when I started, when I started off as an engineer, um, one of, one of the things, especially with, uh, with aerospace or engineering in general is that it's not really something that has a lot of change very quickly. It's a very slow moving industry. Uh, particularly aerospace. Let me not say all forms of engineering, but aerospace is a very slow moving industry. It takes years, close to decades to get a new airplane built or designed because there's a lot of risk in it. So when me, myself, I'm a risk taker. I'm someone who likes taking on challenges. I don't just like coming in saying, oh, that's the easy thing to do. Let me do that because everyone else is doing it. I like taking that risk, high risk, high reward. Obviously with the high risk, you can also fail even, even harder. You know, you can fail even harder with the high risk, but high risk, high reward. And I think that mentality got me to take certain challenges that other people may not have been willing to take and to take certain risks that other people weren't willing to take and sort of help to propel my career as a, as a business leader on that side. Yeah, I, I always love it when uh, guests mention risk reward because it's the show title without us. <laughs> you, know, you know what's funny? That's why I'm fist pumped. That, that wasn't even intentional. That wasn't even intentional. That's, that's funny. <laughs> there you um, go. I, I did want to follow up real quick. So, this is like really interesting to me. How did you make this transition from the engineering technical side to the business side? Like what were the obstacles? How did you like make it seamless for you? Listen, I'll, I'll say it wasn't easy by a long shot because I didn't go to school for business at all. So, so for me, one, one thing that I've always told myself and I tell my little brother and little sister this whole time, it's, it's a mentality of if someone else can do it, why can't I, right? So even if you went to school specifically for a business, if I get put in a position, why can't I learn those things? So when, when I was doing my engineering, you know, I started, you know, once you're actually working, when you're in college, you think you know what exactly you want to do with your career. But then once you start doing it, you start to see other aspects of the company, other different departments, and you see, you know, um, different things in front of you. 
So I still loved engineering. I had no issue with it, but my big thing was that I saw there was a higher ladder to climb. Because my, my end goal aspiration is, you know, how high can I go? Can I be the CEO of a company one day? Oh, from the engineering side, that's a much slower process. And the farther you go into engineering, the harder it is to make a transition to business as you get later in your career. So when I was in my entry-level position the first three years, I was going to engineering and I was looking at program managers and how they sort of, they were like that middle ground between, you know, having to have that engineering manufacturing knowledge and then also still managing uh, some budgets and different businesses. So I, I, found a, I found a company that gave me a position as a program manager. That was my transitional period. And within the year, I guess, you know, going in there being Omar, myself, um, I was offered a position as a business manager. And I will say those first six months to a year, I'll even say it might be the first year, it was like drinking from a fire hose. It, it was just so much sensory overload, things I've never seen before. We're talking about balance sheets, managing this budget. You know, um, this is my first time managing people. I never managed people before. I'm managing, I'm managing the engineers who I used to be the uh, supply chain people, the, you know, all, all the different departments, the contracts administrators. And it's like, wow, you know, uh, what do I do? I, I never took a class for this. Um, but, but again, you, you, your adaptability is a big thing. If you take the risk, I took the risk. And then I was adaptable. I was open to the concept of if somebody before me could do this successfully, why can't I? What do I have to research on YouTube tonight to be able to learn how to, <laughs> you know, like, you know, like you, you figure it out. And I did. That was no, that's dope. That is like we're definitely gonna clip that up and share it with the audience because that's that's really what we're trying to do here. Like these these nuggets, these insights mm -hmm. uh, for like some you know sometimes the tough choices that people make in their careers, they're professionalized, and you definitely found the upside. Um, so thank you for sharing that. No doubt for sure. Cool, cool. Um, damn, Omar, I feel like you're like you. I feel like with every question, you're just driving gyms, man. <laughs> no, <man. laughs> Speaking my truth, bro. Speaking my truth. We always have conversations. Yeah. This, though. this is just right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, to kind of put it on the flip side now, uh, how has conforming impacted your career? Yeah, conformity. Um, similar to what I said before, I think there is there is a certain level of that that's that's important. So, being able to come in and be an individual and being able to generate new ideas and show that you're all gung ho and ready to change things is a great thing. But at the same time, you don't want to rub people the wrong way, right? You don't want you don't want to come in and be that person on day one, now making sweeping changes across the board. You still want to be, uh, you still want people to feel like you're a part of the team. So, so being able to conform in certain aspects has still, I think it's helped to balance the other side of my individualism, um, so that it you know became like this good concoction of all right, this person is someone that we feel is part of the team, and is someone that can generate new ideas that can drive us forward. So mm -hmm. you know that that's been a positive. I'll say. That's the positive side. There have been some negative aspects of performing. Like I said, I've I've been I've, <laughs> I've been held back sometimes. Like when I first started as a business manager, that was my first time having to give uh, briefs, like um, presentations to executive management, to executive vice presidents, CEOs, and things like that. I've never had to present, stand in front of a room full of people, and present to people like that before um, at that high of a level. So at first, you know, I was up there trying to say the big words that they say and you know, the little keywords I hit them say all the time, I was trying to repeat them, but I wasn't necessarily, it wasn't flowing out smoothly because it's not words that I grew up saying, right? Now that doesn't mean, that's not to say that you're, you're not supposed to like, you know, take it in and learn those words and make it part of your vocabulary. But just at first when I was trying to force it, it didn't come out genuinely. Now it is part of my vocabulary. I've been doing it so long. So now I say it seamlessly. 
back then it wasn't. So I think, you know, maybe trying to conform too quick might have held me back a little bit at that point. But all in all, it worked out. Like I said, there's a balance to it, and you just have to make sure you find that sweet spot. How was it when um, they pointed it out to you, like, that's not you? Like, why are you acting like this for? Like, how like how did you receive that? Yeah. And, like, what were you doing for them to be like, ooh, like, that's not how you act? <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, everyone's going to take that critique differently, right? Um, so, luck luckily, uh, I, I, I accept feedback. Whenever I have my performance reviews or different one-on-ones with my um, VP and my president, I'm always asking, you know, where can I improve? What areas can I improve? So when they said it, I didn't get defensive about it. It was, um, it was really what I just said. It was I was presenting, and you could tell I was looking for the right words to say, and I was throwing in the okay. words that the words fit, but it just looked like it just wasn't a seamless statement. <laughs> you know, it was like something, something, and this, and it, it just and seemed dynamic. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> just saying words, and and. And I think it also helped the way they brought it up. They didn't bring it up as a hard critique. They brought it up as a uh, as a constructive room for improvement. They said, hey, look, when you present up there, it, you can come across nervous sometimes because of the way you're trying to find those words. Maybe if you just, yeah. just speak the way you want to speak, just say whatever is really on your mind. And if you take time away from thinking about what words to use, you'll have more time or capacity to focus on the bigger picture and like what story you're actually trying to tell. So that was actually really good feedback. So at that point, I just started talking like Omar. You know, <laughs> and it worked out. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I think um, first, first, first and foremost, for you to be able to kind of take to take that feedback and be like, you know what? Thank you for that. Because um, I feel like a lot of times people may may like may take that the wrong way. Um, but for you to kind of be so self aware of you and just know that, like, hey, like I know that that it wasn't me. So maybe I should just like thank you for that. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so it's good. It's good that you were able to kind of, you know, see that. And obviously it like it has worked for you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You, you have to be open to critiques, man. I mean, you should really we should really seek them. Now, with that being said, you can't you can't take and change yourself with every critique that everyone gives you. But we should at least yeah. be open to, you know, asking for them, hearing them, not being defensive about it. And then you yourself as an, as an adult, you're, you're mature. You can pick and choose where you think you really can improve. If you don't agree, you don't have to do it. But you shouldn't. Because the more you come across defensive, the less likely people are going to point things out to you. And then there are a lot of things you're not going to see. Right. So. Cool. Cool. Um, so, uh, uh, I know you mentioned before that um, the, the, the area that you're in, it doesn't have a lot of people of color. Yeah. Um, so uh, me personally, uh, just to kind of set up this question, I enjoyed when I'm like the only one. <laughs> like for some strange reason like i really like it because i know that everybody's looking at me like oh like we have a black person here like holy you know like we got to be on our keys and cues and i mean i'm just sitting there like, i can say whatever i want and probably get away with it <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. but um for you uh knowing in your field like how does that work for you does you do you feel it as like that's a moment where you feel you know in power or do you feel like that's something i mean of course it's definitely a feeling where you, you want to see more of you within, within, with like within this field. But how how does it make you feel that you're you know one of the only few? Yeah, you know what, my feelings on that have changed as I've advanced in my career. When I first started, it was, it was a very awkward feeling um, because actually with, with my first job as an engineer, not only was I only the only black person, I was also the only person under fifty years old. So my first my first group, every single dude in there was a it was an older white man above fifty years old. They were like in their fifties. And then in the aerospace um, industry, random note, there was a big hiring freeze for a lot of years. So there's typically a big age gap. So 
old white men in the 50s and then young black kid, 23. All right. So it was just a weird dynamic. So I think at, the, at that point, I didn't really know how to navigate that scene. I was, you know, do I try to assimilate to them by coming in and being my full self? I wasn't sure at the time. Now, as I've advanced in my career and I'm more focused on my individualism, it's a sense of empowerment. I'm like, hey, listen, you know, I'll, I'll be that guy. I'll, you know, I'll walk into a room full of them. And it's like, yeah, it's me. Omar, as you see, there's a lot of things. Yeah, about no, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of things that I'm performing to in terms of like the typical uh, business look. Like I have the beard. No one. And see, and that's another thing, because even with the beard, they made a few comments at first when I started growing it. But then they all started trying to grow a beard out. So it's, it's <laughs> You're a trendsetter, boy. You're trendsetter. A trendsetter. <laughs> and I remember some people saying, oh, man, how are you going to rock that at work? Like, how's that going to go? Listen, this hair that naturally grows out my face. Why do I have to cut it? You know, what's, what's the problem? Who created that rule that that's the thing? I look good. Did, 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 they, did, did they break out the Cuban links too? Because I, I, I just imagine 50-year-old white men just breaking out the Cuban links. I, I love that. We haven't gotten there yet. We haven't, I'm working on it, though. I'm working on it, though. Um, please, please do. Please do. I'm going to take a picture for you, bro. The moment yes. I'm breaking out the cubes, I'm, yes. <laughs> it's a wrap. All right. But, but yeah, man, I mean, at this point, I'm very comfortable um, being the only one. Obviously, like you said, it'll be great to have more brought in. Um, obviously, yeah. as you get to higher levels, you, you're able to hire people that look like you because you're more of a decision maker. So I have someone who works for me, um, a young black lady, so that's great. And we're definitely trying to make the company more diverse as a whole, so, yeah. Awesome. Um, this, I know I'm kind of going to go off script here, but um, what is something that you can tell anybody who has an interest like within this field? Because, um, I mean, when it comes to what you're doing, like no one really knows of it. Yeah. So, um, and you've been in it for you know, some time now. So what are, what is, what is some advice that you can give somebody who's trying to uh, break into uh, a, a end into a uh, career within, um, you know, aerospace? One, one expect, expect that it's going to be tough. It's not, it's not an easy field to be in, but it's, it's so rewarding. I mean, depending on the type of person you are, the reason, you know, there's a lot of different fields of engineering. The reason why I chose aerospace is because one, Again, being a risk taker, it seemed like the hardest one to do. So I wanted that challenge. But then two, it's just cool as hell. Like every time you walk outside, you see an airplane. I'm like, hey, yo, I'm, I, one, I know the model of that airplane just by looking at it. Two, I know the parts that my company makes, where they go on the airplane. I see these rockets go up. I know what parts we ship to go to these rockets. I see jets flying, movies, helicopters picking people up in Terminator. I'm like, yeah, I know a helicopter. Oh, I actually sell parts in the helicopter. It's just mm -hmm. cool. And, and maybe that's not cool to everybody. I can admit that. That's, I'm, I can just be, you know, weird. But but the advice I just give is like, listen, you know, actually something I said before, why not me? If that's something that you're interested in, why can't you do it? We all have brains, we're all intelligent, right? It, one thing I've always told people when they look at, when they look at what I'm doing now and it looks really complicated to them, or like when you see people in school and you see those long equations on the board, it's like, man, I have no idea what that is. I have no idea how you're doing that. You have to understand, you have to start from step one. Now, what you're, what you're looking at is sort of a final product, but that took, you know, a lot of work to get there. So just like everyone can relate, in order to, to do division, you have to learn subtraction first. To do multiplication, you have to learn addition. So if you show a five-year-old a division loop, they're gonna have no idea what they're looking at. But if you show them, if you teach them subtraction, they can learn division. So thinking about aerospace, you know, thinking it may be hard to do. It is hard, but if you start from step one and really just stay diligent on what you're trying to learn, it's amazing. And like I said, I, I just think it's cool. Yeah, well, uh, one of the one of the best pieces of advice you gave me was uh, I was like, where do I sit if a plane ever goes down? Uh, in in the back or right in the middle? <laughs> Never in the front. 
Yeah, isn't it by the wings? Right in the middle, like right over the wings. The wings are the strongest yeah. for the plane. So, yeah. I mean, granted, <laughs> you're probably still not going to survive, but yeah, you got that much more of a chance. <laughs> so you're saying I have a chance? I'm All saying right. you there have a chance. Man. <clears throat> That's what's up. That's what's up. So, um, uh, in the years, I mean, yes, you are, you know, doing, you're, you're killing it within, um, you know, your job now, but also you have other you know, things that you are doing too. Um, you know, we've had our talks about, you know, different types of things, but um, Creators Asylum is something that you and a couple of your, um, well, people that I that I know too, um, you've created about what, probably like a year ago? Yeah, yeah, we started it a little over a year ago. Yeah, it was Not during the, um, the COVID, yeah, because um, I know you was like, like I like I just got to do something. <laughs> like a lot of people had good ideas around that time, right? Just home, yeah. Home. yeah, why not? Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that you created was do rag discussions. Do-rag. So uh, you mind telling us more about do rag discussions? Okay, wait, is that is that a silky or Velveeta? Velveeta, it's the Velveeta. <laughs> Velveeta, okay. <laughs> My shoulder for this conversation, but uh, yeah, that's but Brandon yeah. right there. <laughs> right. What was your question? Um, like what made what made what made you start it, as well as can you kind of give us more info on like the purpose of it? Yeah, for sure. So I mean, starting with Durag discussions, my boy Dane, uh, shout out to Dane. He uh, he approached us, you know, some of our crew with an idea about you know just hopping on live one day and just having a bro talk. You know, you see a lot of times people have different blogs. You see like one guy talking his opinion, or you know, a lot of powerful women have like their their woman talks where they just talk about different things going on, things that affect them on the day to day. And he brought up a good idea, like, hey, why don't we get on there and talk about what affects guys? The conversations that we have all the time, like me and you have, we we have these conversations all the time. Why don't we put it out there? Let them hear how we how we converse. People people are always interested in what guys talk about, what the group chat looks like. So let's see what's going on with that. So we did it the one time. Um, it went well. You know, we had some positive feedback. So then uh, we really just took it and said, you know, we should really do something with this. And how, how can we really give our voices a platform and, you know, allow other people to chime in on the conversation in different ways? So that's really how Durag discussion started. And I mean, you know, we're all young black men. We all wear do rags, so it just it just stuck. I think we all happen to be wearing do rags on the first episode. So it was just <laughs> let's, let's keep it going. So if you ever see my do rag collection? It's very extensive. In the past year, it's gotten very extensive. But um, yeah, but that's, that, <laughs> that's, that's a fact. Yeah, but that's how do rag discussion started. But then um, one thing we noticed is that the ladies, the women, were definitely showing a lot of love and support to the conversations we had because obviously they had a lot of interest in what we had to say. And um, they would be in the comments a lot, making, you know, providing their opinions on things. So then we came up with the idea to have another show called The Crown Collective, where we bring the ladies up to the stage and then we discuss, you know, we, we, we build that bridge between men and women in discussion and, you know, discuss our perspectives and see how, you know, sort of bridge that, that gap that seems to be there in many different topics that affect us. That was important for us. And then the, the final thing is Creators Asylum. So then, after those two shows uh, started off, me and Dane, we've been doing poetry. We've been creative since since Hofstra, since we met. Um, and both of us individually before then, but we met in college. And we both, we've performed together like our senior year in college, things like that. Um, so we've always been creators. Uh, when the Durag discussions and Crown Collective came about, we really started thinking about what kind of umbrella organization we can, we can form that can encompass those and so much more. What, what can be like a safe space for creators to as, as we as we say, seize the space and lead the narrative. So mm-hmm. you seize your own space and you lead your own narrative. Like this is this is your creation. So I, what what platform can we provide for people to do that? 
including ourselves. So that's how Creators and Sound was born. And you know, as as you see, you follow the page. We do um Black Business shoutouts uh, weekly. We have our do like discussions, Crown Collective. On Fridays, we do a Creators Corner where different creatives get to showcase their talents. And then Mondays we do Motivational Mondays. So it's, it's branching out from there. It's been it's been fulfilling in the past year, for sure. Awesome. That's cool. Uh, I mean, I feel like Chris, Chris and I are kind of on like that same path too. Like this is just the first uh, thing that, that I'm doing, <clears throat> but I feel like every time we talk, we're, we're thinking about other things that we can definitely do, do them next. So um, I'm happy to see that this model has worked, has worked for you and uh, just kind of seeing how you grew it. Um, we're definitely going to take some of your, you know, you know, some of the steps that um, you've um, taken to. For sure. If you, if you don't mind me asking, what, what got you and Chris to start this up? What was like your inspiration? Honest. A Sunday night? Was it Chris? <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a phone call um, where we we pretty much came out with our aspirations to move into content. Okay. And I I believe uh, as we were talking, uh, I was just like, well, why don't we just start a show? Yeah. And mm-hmm. the next uh, Monday, we we started it uh, on IG. Uh, we tried it a couple times on IG, and then as we tested that out, we're like, "Let's do it here." But it, it fit our like longer term goals that we really didn't know. So it really started with that willingness to share in a conversation. Like, what what are your longer term aspirations? And I think, um, you know, we don't make that uh, public enough, uh, and that'll be like inspirational or or beneficial to to others who might be listening to us. Oh. Nah, that's well dope, man. That's well dope. And I'm, I'm really glad to see, you know, y'all doing y'all thing with that and really, you know, giving these different, like even this topic right here is very important for people to be listening to. So, yeah, that's well dope, man. Proud of you Appreciate that. Appreciate you. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, I'm going <laughs> to let Chris ask these two questions for you. These are two questions that I didn't share, but, uh, you know. Yeah. So, so before we get to the embarrassing stories of Derek, um, <laughs> I, I, I had a, a quick follow-up uh, so you said um, you mentioned you played football, or Derek mentioned that you played football, right? Yeah. And yeah. I, you know, clearly you've like in, in your words in your journey, you've demonstrated leadership. So in my mind, I'm guessing that you either played safety, middle linebacker, or quarterback. Am I right? <laughs> um, I wish I was a quarterback. I wasn't a quarterback <laughs> or linebacker. I uh, defensive back, so safety, safety guard. All right, because because I, I feel like sort of like the safety is like the quarterback of the defense, uh, so that's why if I had to guess, it was yeah. that like someone who kind of sees like the whole field can communicate to teammates. That that's what came across. So that's why I had to I had to ask that. Um, yeah, that's it. Safety yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, high school uh, football and flag football. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Cool, cool. Um, so. One way of sort of like getting to know each other, I, I think for me, the most fun ways is through really insightful, lesser known, and sometimes embarrassing stories. So uh, do you have any embarrassing stories of Derek and maybe yourself um, uh-huh. that you can share with our audience? Uh, no need to clean it up at all. <laughs> you can come with it like super authentically. But right. if you had any uh, lesser known Hopefully, embarrassing stories of Derek. That would be great. Man, that's that. That put me on the spot with that one. We know each other so long, B. I don't, I don't know where to start. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it could be a high school or like college age uh, stories, but 
something that you know won't, won't get him into trouble uh with his lady but you know <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll still we'll still contribute to lots of laughs and, and getting to know Derek on a more personal level uh you know um I don't want to spend too much time thinking about it so I'll just think of the first thing that comes to mind and Derek forgive me for this one but um <laughs> what, what comes to mind was actually the way I met Derek, which was um I remember so I was on a football team before Derek was. So I think my it was sophomore year when you joined, right? Oh damn, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this though. That's the reaction I wanted. Yeah. That's the reaction I wanted. <laughs> now when I say I'm, I'm about I'm about to, I got you, B. It was um so it was like sophomore year, so I think it was my second season. And I feel like you popped up midway through the season. I think the season already started, but I was nice. Nah, you were. <laughs> and it was a tragic ending. <laughs> but I know, so the whole point of the story, someone, I guess, recruited Derek. So he came on, he was there at practice one day. So I was in the stands. So I saw this new kid. And, you know, he's catching everything one-handed. I don't know, just like out there looking like Terrell Owens, Ocho Cinco, you know, Randy Moss, everybody all fused together. I'm like, yo, this dude's nice. This dude's nice. I got to step my game up. He about to take my spot. So then um, I think the coaches love Derek so much. They put him as like the starter for everything because nah, Derek's really good. He's just, like really athletic kid. <laughs> so we get to our first game and, <laughs> and they put Derek out for the first play. First play. Derek goes back, goes back. You know, I think it was punt return, right? Yep. It was punt return. Derek's about fake. To yeah. He's like, all right, I'm about to get my, about to get my first touchdown. Derek's Derek's career ended the second it started. <laughs> the second it started. I mean, Derek caught that ball, got hit so hard, <laughs> and never got up. Uh, it was it was like your leg, right? Your ankle. Sixty yards though. That's all that matters. Not, yeah, I mean, it, it was <laughs> forgive me for missing that. It was a great. It had the potential to be a great play. Had it not ended the way it did, I think he broke his ankle or something like that. Off right? for one play. Wait, <laughs> hold on. You you returned it sixty yards and broke your ankle. So it was uh it was a punt it, it was a punt fake. So oh, okay. we we faded like we faked the punt and as I was going, I like I where I messed up was that I looked back and the second I looked back, like who like whomever it was came and swiped me and how I felt, I fell on top of my ankle. Damn. Yeah, that was tragic, man. That was tragic. You never seen so much potential get washed away so fast. <laughs> and there he goes. <laughs> Now, now you're relegated to podcast co-host. <laughs> yeah. That's rough. That's it started rough. a great friendship, though. Started yeah. a, a friendship, though. Cool. So uh, yeah, you got to follow up uh, at some point, you know, after the show uh, with pictures of uh, of this football team. I, I definitely want to see that. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, appreciate that out. Um, so my last question is is actually more of a game. So. Uh, for our guests, we have the risk reward game where we go through a list of scenarios. Mm -hmm. And if you think the scenario is a net risk, you just call it risk. Uh, if you think the scenario is a net, uh, net, net reward, uh, then call it reward. So uh, the first scenario, um, wearing a do-rag in the office. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> It depends on when you ask me that question. Had you asked me uh, over a year ago, it was definitely a risk. Uh, I've, I've, been, I've been taking that risk a little more now, you know? So I... You gonna call it reward? I'm gonna call it a reward. There All you right. go. Right. Liberating. Right. Okay. Liberating. All right. All right. 
scenario I used to go like two 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 blocks away from the office. Now I'm just like, hey, if you see me, <laughs> you see me, you see me. That's cool. <laughs> That's cool. Um, so scenario two, trading stocks with your parents' money. Oh wow, yeah, that's um, that that's a risk. That's a risk. All right. Uh, buying the dip in Bitcoin. Everything about Bitcoin is a risk. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, changing jobs without having another one lined up. Uh, yeah, big risk. Okay. Yeah, hope you got a plan. I mean, unless you're about to be an entrepreneur or something. Sure. Okay. Um, asking someone out on a date via DM. Reward. It's all uptime. All uphill from there. <laughs> it's all uphill from there. Yeah. I, I like how, how definitive that answer was. That, that's yeah, cool. yeah. Uh, so along the same lines of uh, social media engagement, following IG models. Ah, yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> it, can, uh, <laughs> it, can, it can have its good moments, but I think, I think you're just setting yourself up for failure, so I'm going to call that a risk. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, I, I feel like there's some behind-the-scenes stories on that. We'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> um so we we talked about this during the episode so code switching at work uh that's that's somewhere in the middle i guess i mean uh i can't call that a reward though i don't yeah uh, okay. it's a risk so net risk okay uh cheesecake what? cheesecake just cheesecake cheesecake reward yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Forget the calories. Forget the fat. Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, buying a house right now. Uh, that's a reward. All right. Yeah. Uh, even with like prices going super high and maybe renting being a little bit cheaper, you you still go with reward. So listen, I don't. This is that's not my expertise. Right. <laughs> I, I thought I heard that prices were dropping. Maybe I'm wrong. Y'all can correct me. I thought prices were dropping with the pandemic. Maybe not. Yeah, I think right now it's it's at its it's it's pretty much near its highs and and renting feels like more of a bargain. But I mean, when you call it a reward, you know, I I want to buy a house. Mm-hmm. Like Derek owns property, yep. um, so I I definitely see the reward side of that too. Yep. Um, last scenario, uh, I don't know if you've ever sent uh this type of email or this line in the email, but as per my last email. Listen, that is that is a complete reward. That is so satisfying. <laughs> you could have read the first email so as for my last email, or see attached that's pretty attached that's what you know yeah, yes. there, you go. there you go and that concludes the risk reward game uh so thank you for playing i'm, I'm glad that uh you were able to share uh your insights sure, <laughs> derek, derek uh derek you got any follow-ups on that um nah i mean i I feel like I feel like I knew his answers already. <laughs> I'm saying truthfully. Like this, man. We like this. <laughs> cool, cool. Um, so this this pretty much brings up brings us uh, to the last segment, which is kind of like the right move right now. Um, this is where we uh, sort of make a stance on like what's going to come up, let's say during this week or maybe a little bit further beyond. Uh, for me, since I do mm-hmm. like investing. Um, and actively manage uh, my money and a little bit of my my parents' money. Um, I, I'm going to say that that folks sh- my, that the right move for folks right now should be to diversify their investments. Um, it could be within just stocks, or also, you know, if you're only in stocks, maybe consider a little bit of crypto. Um, we might be 
set up for some turbulent times in various markets. And that's where diversification is key. Uh, so I, I know that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to diversify a little bit more, uh, maybe take a little risk off, but that's my right move for right now. Uh, Derek, what's yours? Um, I feel like Omar had me when he, when he let, when he let us know that, uh, it's a reward to say as per my last email. So, um, with that, I would definitely say, don't be afraid to say that you have every right to say that, you know, why you said that. So, uh, cause I feel like we should make, should make that normal. Okay. <laughs> or or oh. just, just normalize reading the email up front and not. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, so we don't have to say that in an email. Right. Right. Uh, Omar, um, again, thanks for, for your gems and your insights. What is sort of your right move uh, right now for not only yourself, but maybe for others as well? I would just say whatever that idea is that you have, move forward with it. Whatever that idea is, whether you're creative, uh, you want to be an entrepreneur, you have any type of idea, just move forward, see what happens. See what happens. Last thing you want to do is get to the end of the road and wish you did something different. So move on. Awesome. Uh, move forward. Uh, so speaking of move, move, moving forward, uh, where should people reach out to you uh, or maybe follow your Instagram handles or social media handles? Let the people know. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Shameless plug time, right? Uh, yeah, so <laughs> follow me on IG. It's at JP underscore flight. Definitely follow the uh, Creators Asylum page at Creators Asylum. Like we said, we have a lot of different creative content, definitely giving people a platform. If you're a creative, DM myself, DM uh, my boy Damien. His tag is on the Creators Asylum page or just DM the page uh, directly. And we'll definitely get you showcased. And like I said, we're all in this together. So season space, lead the narrative. Awesome. There you go. Uh, definitely our audience should definitely follow, engage. Uh, for us, for, for, for Derek and, and, and myself at, at the Risk Reward Show, you know, follow, share, comment, uh, like uh, on YouTube. And now also you see some episodes on Spotify. Uh, reach out to us on Instagram and, and Twitter as well. Uh, before we wrap up, Derek, do you have any closing words? Um, thank you, Omar. I really, really appreciate you. Um, I feel like whenever I feel like whenever we, you know, when we, when I was on your show um, two two um, the, the weeks ago, it felt as if it was just us talking, just like normal. And um, I definitely got the same, the same, the same vibe 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 here. So um, I just want to thank you again for you know just coming on and uh you know dropping those gems bro nah for sure i appreciate you having me man thanks for returning that like i said it's always it's always like blood brothers like you said from day one yeah. uh derek chris appreciate both of y'all um this is a great episode man a lot of gems dropped today uh so i appreciate that thank you awesome. so this wraps up uh episode 19 uh looking forward to uh reaching 20 next week and again to our audience uh thank you all for supporting and we'll see you next time all right